Coming up on This Week in Games, Google poaches Ubisoft leadership for its internal game studios, an eSport firm plans to IPO, and Facebook acquires its biggest Oculus success. Coming up This Week in Games. that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown i'm your host Eric mcconnell and this was a business intensive week it's almost like the week of acquisitions i actually cut some acquisition news stories because there's frankly just an abundance of them and uh on my end right now i had to i don't have heat in my place and so i had to cut all the space heaters off to record this podcast so i'll let you guys know that i'm freezing right now and just want to turn them back on, but they interrupt it with the sound, so I'm keeping them off for you guys. All right, let's kick it off. Jade Raymond brings in a handful of Ubisoft vets to lead Google Stadia Games and Entertainment Studio. So, according to the Video Game Chronicles, Francois Poland, Mathuis Ledoc, and Sebastian Puel, all three names I probably butchered, I'm very sorry, have been brought in to lead Google Stadia Game Studios, with all three being Assassin's Creed vets. No surprise, you work at Ubisoft, you're likely working on Assassin's Creed and probably Watch Dogs. Pollen will be head of production for Google's first-party games. Ledek will likely be the art director for first-party games, and Puel will take on a role as Director General. I've never heard of that title, Director General. It's kind of like super authoritative <laughs> not to knock vp raymond but it looks like nepotism is alive and well at google because you bring in jade raymond who does she bring in only ubisoft people i mean i've had friends who worked at ubisoft and they said basically like you hit a glass ceiling at ubisoft if you're not if you don't speak french and then there's another glass ceiling above that if you're not french yourself and it looks like Jade Raymond's bringing that culture all the way to Google. Um, not a good sign, though, given that AAA games take probably three to five years at an established studio. And knowing how incapable Google is at executing anything, it isn't a good sign that Stadia has launched and director and other leadership roles are just now getting filled in at Stadia Games. If I were a betting person, I'd imagine we either get tech demos out of Stadia Game Studios or Stadia gets shut down before a game comes to fruition. I mean, both of those are likely true. Yeah, I mean, let, let's look at it. Like, even at full-on sprint, okay, full-on sprint with pre-development, development, and post-production, God, I mean, you can maybe get a triple game, AAA game out in two years, depending on the genre, like a fighting game, something that requires a lot less animation, no, like motion, much less motion capture, much less story, much less like handcrafting content. Maybe two years, maybe two years. But I mean, again, it's it's not a good sign. Uh, these Ubisoft vets are used to like doing these like very rapid sequel based releases working off the same game engine and tech as previous games they're going to come in they're not going to have any of that you're dealing with google engineers you know who aren't the fastest moving people and like i just i i honestly don't see this ending well but you know it's on them <laughs> more google stadia news google covers up its 4K 60 frames per second claim so stadia users are complaining that stadia is stadia is like not 
actually streaming native 4K 60 frames per second, but it's instead upscaling it. Games are rendered at 1080p, sometimes 30 frames per second, and sometimes worse than 1080p, and upscaled to 4K 60 frames per second, and that does not qualify as an Ultra HD experience. So Google states that they upheld their claim of delivering 4K and blames developers for not delivering native 4K games. So that's Google saying that developers like Rockstar and other companies, um, uh, Rockstar and Bungie for Destiny 2, are not using, they didn't deliver Google the 4K version of the game that they have on like, I don't know, like Xbox, whatever, PlayStation 4 Pro, all these other consoles, and that they just have the 1080p, so they're upscaling it, and they've upheld their claim that it's Ultra HD. Now, I, I read this story on a bunch of sites, because frankly, I'm, I'm not in the know. So I wanted to see what other people were saying. Now, some of the news coverage claims that developers are withholding native 4K because Google Stadia actually can't stream a steady performance at native 4K. So they're saying that the developers recognize that, let's just say, for example, if Rockstar and RDR2, that Rockstar said, eh, we gave you the 4K version, Shit's not steady at 4K, it's steady at 1080p. You're gonna run the 1080p because we want our users to have a good quality experience. Other comments I see are that actually Google cut hardware costs on their side, seeing the Stadia pre-sale numbers and projecting likely usage numbers and realize that they're gonna lose massive amounts of money if they render at 4K at 60 frames per second natively. So they decided to render at much lower and upscale it to save costs. I could kind of see that too. Um, I don't know. It seems like there's a giant jump between like 1080p and 4K. It's not like four times the cost. It's an exponential amount of the cost going up to go 4K. I could maybe see this. I mean, Google, from my own understanding, is already going to lose massive amounts of money every month. The more people play Stadia, the more money they're going to lose. So... I really, I mean, if you're already lighting money on fire and you, I think Google has said out of all the public companies, not counting Saudi Aramco to have, Google is said to have the largest cash reserves out of any public company, at least in the United States. So they have plenty of money to light on fire. I don't think they care that much to save hard work costs, but I could be wrong. All in all, you know, it's it's like everything's added up. It's been a week later. The launch titles, the lack of promised features that were actually differentiating Questionable quality on the streaming um, and lack of Ultra HD makes Stadia like it just makes it feel like an alpha or a public beta, and I don't know. It's just a it's just a shame, you know. It, it really sucks because the game industry really needs kind of like more new people breaking into it, more new ideas. I'm gonna cover, you know. Valve disconnect, discontinuing one of my favorite like new ideas and paradigms um, in the next story. And it really sucks that this was such a like a failure. And on my end, I still haven't received my activation code. And I almost don't feel like ca calling Google Stadia customer service to solve the problem. And it's sad when like you pay $130 for basically a Chromecast Ultra and a controller, and you just don't care to even like fix it so you can use it. So just saddle around. Um, let's move on. Another sad story. Valve discontinues the Steam controller. So The Verge is reporting Valve has stopped production on its gamepad and plans to sell off the remaining inventory at a 90% discount. And I went to a bunch of like uh, sites and stuff that covered this 
topic as well, and I see nothing but negative comments about this controller, and I don't get the hate. This is easily one of the most innovative controllers of all time, and I loved it. I have one. Um, a lot of my friends have one. You could program every aspect of the controller per game and even have multiple layouts per game. So you have a layout in, a, in an MMO for combat, and you have a layout in an MMO for chat, and maybe one for like adventuring. And you can on the fly change those layouts completely and program them wildly. And like the amount of detail that you can put into programming them was honestly, it was just very impressive. The touch sensitive analog portions that people kind of complain about were amazing. I, it really took you two days to get used to it at most. You know, after two days, um, I played platformers, I played first person shooters, I played uh, lots of games on the controller. I played Portal 1 and 2 on the controller. I mean, <laughs> I know people who played lightweight RTSs, and like I said, even MMORPGs on the controller. If you take the Steam Link and the Steam Gamepad, it was like the perfect combo to play pretty much every game in your Steam library on your TV, and I guess that's what they were going for, like such a versatile controller that you could play any game under the sun, and they really did it, and... I just hate, I hate that this, you know, I knew it was never going to take off because it's such a paradigm shift from the traditional controllers. However, like, I I wish more people adopted and gave it a chance. It was really, really innovative, and it really didn't get its chance. And frankly, I preferred over 90% of other console controllers out there. The only one beating it is maybe like the GameCube controller and a few others for straight up ergonomic fit. And it's a shame because this will make other companies more skeptical to try completely new paradigm-shifting ideas in the future. So it's just a shame, but uh, long live the Steam controller, man. Like, that thing was a beast, and when it first came out, everyone's minds were blown. So, yeah. And finally, the ongoing streamer talent draft continues as Hearthstone player Jeremy Dis. Guys, Toast, Wang signs an exclusivity deal with Facebook. I'm sorry, guys. I, I do not watch these streamer personalities. I I guess his name is Disguised Toast. Could be wrong. Why would Toast want to be disguised? I, I don't know. <laughs> Amazon and Twitch watch as another top streamer defarts, de, defarts, defarts for exclusivity with either Microsoft's Mixer, Google's YouTube Gaming, and Facebook Gaming. So... It kind of kicked off with Mixer and Ninja. That was the big one, right? And ever since then, YouTube Gaming, Facebook Gaming, and Mixer have just been poaching top talent. And like every time one of these stories pops up, Twitch, I say the same thing. Like Twitch needs to increase their barrier switching platform in some way or increase their value prop to streamers. They either need to provide something that's ir um, irreparable applicable on other platforms or they need to provide some reason that you switching from twitch to this, you know mixer is just like economically not in your favor and i don't know what those are i don't work there and even if i did have great ideas i'm not going to spout them all on here you know you can you can hit me up twitch and pay me but <laughs> like you know you can't be seen as the place to groom talent only to lose it to companies willing to lose money for eyeballs and so I think what Twitch will pretty much say is like, hey, Ninja's numbers were already going down on the decline when he departed. Blah, blah, blah's numbers were already going down. Blah, blah, blah left, and someone already replaced them as this top streamer for X, Y, and Z games, which I 100% agree. 
However, eventually you're going to be seen as the place where people go to make a name for themselves, and then they go to one of these other platforms to get pizzayed. And eventually people are going to start departing your platform for these other platforms. So you, I really think you need to have an answer for this now, or else you're going to be looking back at this and so, some VP is going to be like, what the hell were you guys doing when this was going on? Like, why weren't you stopping this? So, ah, it's kind of weird. All right, let's get to the business news. Danish esports firm Australis Group wants to be the first ever esports firm to IPO. So Bloomberg is reporting that Australis Group is planning to go public on December 9th on NASDAQ's Copenhagen Exchange for Small Companies. So not exactly a major IPO we're used to seeing in tech and entertainment, but a minor one. Um, roughly looking to float between 18 and $22 million. That's quite a bit. Um, no report on the exact percentage of the company that float represents, but IPOs generally occur at a 10 to 20% public offering, meaning you take 10 or 20% of your value of your company and equities, offer it to the public, if I had to guess what that 18 to 22 million range is, it's probably on the upper end, so probably closer to 20%, if not 20%. Astros Group has an established CSGO team, a League of Legends team, and a FIFA team at the moment, so all big esports games. But uh, yeah, it's a weird one. I guess this is an option for fundraising, but I, I would you really want to expose your balance sheets to the public? So. I've always complained that I want to see how esports companies make their money. And you know what? Now I'll get to see. But it's like you don't want to be the first company to take your balance sheets public because they have nothing to, you know, evaluate you on. And then it's kind of just going to be looked at as negative, I have to imagine. I don't really see the benefit of taking public money over other options like debt or further private fundraising, you know, raise a Series C, do something else. But Hey, let's see if this becomes a trend, and let's see what their first like quarterly earnings look like. Because I'm curious myself on how uh, <laughs> cash flow breaks down an esports firm. So, pretty interesting all around. All right, acquisition time. Facebook makes a very smart acquisition as they acquire Beat Saber developer Beat Games. So, not much to this story. It's pretty straightforward. Facebook is still going all in on Oculus and VR. And they acquired the developer behind the biggest hit in VR games in recent history, Beat Games. I'm sure everyone listening has seen Beat Saber. It basically looks like a Star Wars lightsaber training simulation. Um, the acquisition amounts have not been reported. I had, If I had to guess, it's probably like low double-digit millions. So probably in the 10 to 20 million range. That's my guess. Could be more. I mean, it's Facebook. They just print money <laughs> small smart move by facebook just don't screw up the studio's ability to kind of make get great games and this was a great acquisition all right next up codemasters acquires slightly mad studios for a reported 30 million so gameindustry.biz is reporting codemasters who is lesser known here in the united states um codemasters is probably known for rally and f1 games in europe so they're known for the game series grid dirt rally 2.0 and f1 2019 uh but codemasters has acquired another racing studio and franchise and slightly mad studios who's known for the gran turismo competitor project cars <sighs> not really much here to comment on the giant european racing conglomerate has acquired another kind of like tier two auto sports studio 
I guess you can say there's a bit of risk in having too many games within a single genre. However, they all have slightly different targets with slightly mad studios bringing in the higher end kind of non-F1 performance cars. So like Ferraris and other stuff that look more like cars and less like F1 cars. Um, you can kind of say there's just like Codemasters is indexing racing games in general. Like all they're missing is NASCAR at this point, <laughs> but The way I see the racing genre, you pretty much have Gran Turismo and Forza, and then you have everyone else, and Codemasters is slowly becoming everyone else, so it's just interesting to see uh, racing at this point. Game developer Toadmint Interactive acquires game publishers sold out sales and marketing for a little over $20 million, and in a rare industry move, a publisher is acquired by a developer. (laughs) That almost never happens, but hey... This move is uh, in order to secure self-publishing for Toadmint Interactive. This makes sold out the fourth acquisition by Toadmint Interactive this year. And frankly, it's time to keep an eye out for this under-the-radar developer in 2020. Like, they've acquired four companies this year. This last one was a lot of money for them, $20 million for self-publishing. They haven't released a game since, I think, 2018. So they probably have something big under their wings, and they're looking to keep all the money themselves by self-publishing it. So I'm really curious to see what it is that they're betting the house on. So should be something big. NetEase drops a rumored $30 million to gain a minority stake in Hogwash developer Bosa Studios. So China's number two game company wants a piece of Apple Arcade developer Bosa Studios as its game Hogwash is launching in China. NetEase gets a board seat along with other game industry mainstays like London Venture Partners and Maker's Fund. This is a common playbook for kind of Tencent and Netties. They go and grab a minority stake in a company. They get to see the books, decide if they want to pressure that company into a majority stake or outright acquisition, or at the very least, they're just indexing another portion of the game industry. So pretty common. All right. Two more stories round out this week. Streaming startup Genvid raises $27 million in a Series B. So Venture Beat is reporting Genvid is looking to expand their broadcasting platform to make its most interactive, to make the most interactive streaming tech for developers. And this is a quote to deploy spectator cams, enabling different forms of fan-to-fan and fan-to-play communication, and giving viewers more ways to tailor their own experience. This brings Genvid's total fundraising to $47 million. Now, it's pretty interesting. I also often wonder why more esports games don't have better spectator views or spectator interactive cameras. Now, going back to my Twitch comment from before, an interesting feature would be for Twitch spectators. So you don't even install the game, which you have to do for a lot of these like interactive spectator cams. Here you, here's a free one, Twitch. Put an interactive spectator cam API into your Twitch streaming views, okay? So I'm streaming League of Legends on Twitch. I can move the camera around with my mouse in the web streaming view without having to watch it through a third-party, like, League of Legends Riot app. Bam. That saves your company. You're welcome. Ginvid, go team up with Twitch and do this. Everyone, you're welcome. All right, last story of the week. Cloud-based casual game platform Air Console raises $3 million in Series A. So I threw this in here. I think this is pretty interesting. Led by Ringier Digital Ventures, this Series A will grow the game library and number of hardware partnerships. So Air Console 
comes pre-installed on Swisscom TV set-top boxes and allow users to play over hundreds of casual games from the cloud. So effectively, your cable box will kind of like cloud stream small casual games, I guess the equivalent of Candy Crush Saga. It's really an interesting take on casual games, especially given the pre-installed concept on hardware. I can honestly see there be a market for this in the future, like especially if costs are run efficiently. It's kind of like like airplane games. Like you don't really see good quality airplane games, but they could easily make them. And this is another one. Like, why aren't more games installed on televisions? And why don't we have like lightweight cloud gaming on television? Like Google could have gotten this market, but instead wanted to compete with AAA consoles. Like my Roku could have a cloud gaming app on it for simple casual games like Match Threes and that could probably be wildly profitable. So I really want to see Air Console like take off with this. Like, don't stop with like integrating the Swisscom TV set-top boxes. I don't even know what Swisscom TV means. I assume it's some kind of like Switzerland communication conglomerate, like the equivalent of our Comcast here. But like, go get out on everything. Get on Apple TV. Get on Roku. Get on everything you can. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty interesting market. All right. That's it for this week. I'm Eric McConnell. Come back next week. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Also, leave me a comment and let me know how I'm doing. I currently have five stars, I think, on um, iTunes. So that means that someone gave me five stars. So thank you very much. <laughs> I'm Eric McConnell. Come back next week, and we'll do it all over again. That's This Week in Games. I'll see you guys later. Bye.